Hello, and welcome to Gaming Broadly. <laughs> yes, do that voice the whole time. <laughs> like, let's just Let's just switch roles and you be Jamie, <laughs> and I'll be Lisa P. Lisa, why do you hate video games? <laughs> video games are the best. Hello, and welcome to Gaming Broadcast. I'm your host, Jamie Dale, the main broad over at GamingBroadly.com, and today we're doing the next part in my series about video games with people who don't enjoy playing video games. Today I'm joined by Lisa Pilgrim. Lisa Pilgrim is a public school teacher for the deaf and hard of hearing who is finishing up her master's in special education at the University of Northern Colorado. Lisa does not play video games, but loves regular old games and spends a lot of time on the internet. So hi, Lisa. How are you? Hello. I'm pretty good. How are you? (laughs) Doing well. Super excited for this conversation. So I'm actually just going to go ahead and and start with the the big old why question about why you don't like video games. Yeah. um, I don't know, actually, if I would say that I don't like... Well, I... I would say I don't like video games, but I wouldn't say I hate video games because I just don't have strong feelings at all (laughs) about them. They're just, it's not something I think about. Um, And I think the biggest reason is like, it wasn't part of my life. Like I never had any video game consoles. It I didn't have an interest in that. Like I, I never asked for video games, so I didn't have them. I just never played them, so they're not something that interests me. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Did any, did anyone in your family growing up around you, or any of your friends growing up around you, have have a video game interest? Um, in my family, no, not really. Um, like I, I think my cousins had consoles, but. We never played when I was there. Um, And I had, I think a lot of my friends had video games, but we just didn't play them. So, like, I knew that I was like, that's their Nintendo doodly doot. (laughs) And um, it's the official official name. Not knowing (laughs) the names of any. Like that's their Nintendo sixty four or oh, whatever. Good. But no, you're yeah, right. I, that's good. <laughs> good job. I can name a console. Um, but no, I uh, like. There were times I would end up like at a party where games were being played, and like this does not interest me. So I would usually hopefully find an area where that was not happening to exist. Oh, I'm thinking of, so would that be like you'd migrate to like a, a different room? Would Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking more, I guess that's more high school where there was the, the parties like, um, 
where it's just a bunch of people in a house and in this area video games are happening and I'd be like, I'm going to go to the snacks instead. <laughs> I'm so amazed that the snacks were in a different room than the video games. I They were probably just slightly to the right <laughs> of the video games. I don't know. I have like I have very vague memories of video games being played around me, but I know every time I was like, no. <laughs> so like a disappointment in terms of that was the thing that people were doing that you didn't want to participate in. Yeah, yeah. And I like to talk to people a lot at parties. And I felt like whenever video games were happening, even the people who weren't playing the video games were watching the playing of the video game. And so I couldn't engage anyone in conversation. So I was like, I guess at this point, I just sit here and pretend to be interested in watching (laughs) this video game, which is... It's really, it's more boring to me to watch people playing a video game than to play it, which, um, like, I've discovered recently that there's a whole community of watching people playing games, which blows my mind. Like, um... Like, I guess YouTube people record themselves, and then there's, like, streaming on... So that that blows my mind, because... There's very little that's more boring to me than watching someone play a video game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people share that that confusion about why you would watch someone play a game, like a video game specifically. Um, yeah. It, there seems to be some acceptance about watching people play like a sports game. Or yeah, so I guess it's comparable like that. to that. Like, I'm not that into watching sports either. <laughs> Oh, good. That's kind of nice, though, that it's, like, consistent. Like, I don't want to watch other people. Like, I guess, like, when when watching sports, I feel, like, more able to, like, chat with the people I'm with. Like, I, I enjoy baseball, but, you know, I don't sit there and, like, silently watch the game. Oh, my gosh. The whole time. That would be such a long silence. <laughs> So, like, even, you know, if you go to a game, you're sitting there and chatting and eating nachos, and it always goes back to snacks for me. (laughs) You want conversation and snacks. Conversation and snacks is what I'm looking for. I want a t-shirt that says that I'm into conversations (laughs) and snacks. So then it seems like the video games actually, which is funny because there's been a lot of research out recently that talks about how video games are actually a very social medium, but for you, even they don't feel social in the way that you enjoy being social, if that Yeah, makes I sense. think I, I understand why they're social, and I think I just kind of missed the boat. If I had played video games when I was younger, I can see where I would enjoy playing them with other people, but it's just not something I've ever been into. I I did own a Wii, I got into the Wii Fit for a while. That was pretty fun. That was the thing with the um, the little board. It has at the bottom, right? The balance board, and you could you could go for a bike ride. <laughs> there were some fun like balance games, and they're all short. I think I like short, quick games that like going between multiple little games in a quick period of time. 
It's funny that you're saying that you actually like games that one that are short and also lack any sort of narrative importance. Because a lot of the times when people are talking about people who don't like video games, what they're actually, they usually wind up ending on like, well, people who don't like playing the current round of video games are people who actually really enjoy narrative and just want like an interactive narrative experience, which is funny because I'm hearing from you that that's actually the reverse that's not of what I want. Yeah. <laughs> no, not at all. Like you'd be like, I'll oh, just gosh. read a book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I love that because I, I it really kind of expands when we think of people who don't enjoy playing video games, what it is that they're not enjoying about it. So for you, it's actually that it's not encouraging conversation outside of the video game. I'm thinking of like when people go bowling and someone goes and does their bowling thing, but there's still like four or five people for you to talk to, like who are not right. bowling. Right. Yeah. Uh -huh. That's, I, I don't like the act of bowling, but I like going bowling because you're sitting around talking while you're waiting for your turn. There are also nachos. There are also nachos. <laughs> it goes back to snacks. Snacks and conversation. They are pretty good. So speaking of non-narrative games, you, you brought this up yesterday because we were reminiscing about our childhood and you say that you missed the boat on video games, but you also mentioned yesterday playing some of the Barbie games when you were younger. Yes. I um we had a computer and I did play a number of like PC games, CD ROMs. The Barbie games I was into, I really liked uh Barbie Fashion Designer where you could print out the clothes that you designed and then make actual clothes for your Barbie. And there was I had to look this up. It was Barbie Magic Hairstyler. And it wasn't just hair. You got to do her makeup and and clothes and you could put little stickers on her face and Oh, I had this talking Barbie. I I forgot about that one until this moment, so I didn't look it up, but it's it was an actual Barbie that you like attached to the computer. And then you you would play the game. I don't remember very much about the game, but then she would like talk about the Barbie would talk about things that you had played in the game. Like there was a Barbie outside of the game that would talk about. Yeah, the yeah. Game? There was like an actual tangible Barbie doll that you. I think it was her chair plugged in, and then she kind of plugged into her little chair, and then she'd be like, "I had fun at the park, Lisa." Oh my gosh. Or. Something. This is incredible. This kind of changes. This is blowing <laughs> my mind right now that this was a thing that existed. Do you remember the name it of it? It was very cool. Um, was I it don't Barbie? Remember the name of it? Chair and plug, plug and chair. <laughs> it was not Barbie plug and chair. <laughs> Man, I'm gonna have to Google that. That's amazing because I, I recently bought this game called Beasts of Balance, and I guess by recently I mean within the past year. And I've, I've always said that the one thing I liked about it was that it was one of those digital games that had basically toys on the outside of it that how you played with them, like they were actual toys that you played with that affected like the digital world. And I thought of it as like very new and innovative because a lot of these games that have like toy peripherals, like um, you might have seen them before, the Wii is Skylanders, Skylanders. Is that <laughs> Sky what you're talking about? That isn't, but that is also one where it's the exact same. It it uses the same uh, technology. I argue that they aren't very fun for playing. Kyle has previously argued 
that you can play with anything if your imagination is good enough, which was him low-key insulting my imagination. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so like the fact that this Barbie game actually, because this was probably what, in the 90s? Um, Early 2000s? with me, Barbie. Yeah, the fact that it did that is both creepy and like amazing. Oh, she had a computer. Sorry, I'm like Googling this in real time. Because <laughs> I had to know. She has a little computer and she sits at her computer while you're at the computer. What? These are some shenanigans. And it would like plug into your computer? Yeah, somehow, somehow she was attached to the computer. I think her computer would plug in with like a USB cord and then it would send things for her to say to her body. (laughs) (laughs) That was such a weird way to say that, but that's what it did. And so then she had a little button, like all the regular talking Barbie dolls that they would just say generic things like, it's great to be a friend, but (laughs) this Barbie knew my name and... That's so... Could you, like, play with her apart from the little computer chair? Like, was she a full-functioning Barbie outside of that? Yeah, yeah. So you could take her and play with her with your other Barbies. Oh, wow. Like, like you're doing your imagination doll play. What's funny is that you say that you didn't really play video games as a kid, but you, you did play these Barbie games, and it seems like you're not defining them as video games. Yeah, I think just um, what I what I thought of was video of video games was a separate thing, like a console. I will say this: we did talk about this a little bit yesterday. You mentioned some Barbie games that were more of a narrative, and I wasn't into those either. So I've really, in the way of games have really been into things that I can just do whatever I want. Uh, Like, yeah, Barbie, like the hairstyler, the fashion designer, story maker. I could just like make and do fun stuff with the computer. And, And then Roller Coaster Tycoon, I was really excited when, like, I think it was the third or second or I think it was uh, Roller Coaster Tycoon 2 or 3 that allowed you to just have free play. You had unlimited money and could just make whatever park you wanted to. Because the objective stopped being fun for me because I would get annoyed. Because <laughs> I just wanted to make my park and then they would like shut my park down or I ran out of money or whatever. <laughs> they would judge your your creation yeah like leave me alone i got people we're making a profit (laughs) that's funny so you thought of video games as like consoles and narrative and not necessarily creative yeah yeah i think when i was little i just didn't know what video games entailed because i i didn't play them for like till high school maybe i think the first video game like on a console I played was probably like Pokemon Snap. Oh yeah, that one's Which another one that's kind of free play where you like take pictures. When of that Pokemon. was, yeah, you just kind of go around and look at Pokemon and take pictures. It's fun, but <laughs> it wasn't fun enough to make me be like, I really need Pokemon Snap. <laughs> so these video, the Barbie games that you played in the Roller Coaster Tycoon, did you play these with other people or by yourself? Um, I played them pretty much by myself 
maybe when a friend would come over i'd be like check out what i can make my barbie do <laughs> um roller coaster tycoon is I actually have like a lot of a lot of feelings about roller coaster tycoon um cuz i uh there was a summer i went to my dad's and like my dad was really terrible and abusive and most of my memories attached to him are pretty traumatic but then this one summer he was really into roller coaster tycoon and that was something that we could do together and we would spend hours in his basement playing roller coaster tycoon and it was just all positive memories and it's it's the time i remember connecting with him the most was cuz we would like do the thing where you make the people fly off the end or <laughs> make them walk into a lake and drown <laughs> as you do with roller yeah, as you do did, um, he, did he like the the parts of the play with the objectives or did he kind of go with you into that free play zone i think yeah we mostly did the the free play stuff i like to see what i can do you know in a in a game and uh so he was on board with that we usually just like it was like oh i wonder if we could do this and it would work oh that's awesome so that's back to that that creative thing where like i'm imagining this can i make it exist right in this space uh so yeah we actually um at the end of that summer before i went home we went to six flags and rode all the the roller coasters oh wow so that's my really positive memories I have um, of someone who I otherwise don't really have anything positive. I I think I really I really appreciate having that. Like even I don't talk to my dad anymore at all, but it's nice to have had that one thing that that was positive. Did you ever play Roller Coaster Tycoon again after that? I think I did, like, I had it at home, and I want to say that I had I had gotten it and played it a lot at home, and then hadn't really been playing it, and then I went to visit him and discovered that he was really into playing it. So I was like, oh, I used to play this game. So I don't know if I got back into playing it at home after that or not. I wonder if it has anything to do with... The fact that it stopped being that social, like, glue. Because with your dad, it sounded like it was something that you all could do together that felt safe, I guess, maybe. Yeah. Safe and yeah, fun absolutely. and creative. And then, like, when you came back home, it wasn't, there wasn't that social element of the game, so it kind of lost some appeal to you. I'm speaking for, I'm just guessing at this point. <laughs> but. No, I think I think that's pretty accurate. I think I've tried to play it cuz I'll I'll remember how fun that game was. And it was fun before when I was playing it by myself. And but when I've tried to play it again, it's not that great. I remember you saying, and by remember you saying, I mean I said this in your bio cuz you said it was true. <laughs> but you said you enjoyed playing regular old games. What do you mean by regular old games? I, uh, it's board games pretty much is what I'm thinking of. I was raised by old people, um, my my grandparents. (laughs) Uh, so they were really into like card games and board games. And at least 
a couple nights a week after dinner, we would just play games or like Saturday night we would play games. That was a lot of fun. And I still really like playing games. I have been excited that people are kind of into games right now. Not necessarily like tabletop games, but um, I don't know, like like code names. And there's that I, iPhone game now, Heads Up. I realize it's not Head- a board game, but no, yeah, Heads Up is fun. It's a it's a really social, funny game. Do you do you prefer kind of more of the old school style board games like I don't know. I'm not going to say Monopoly cuz I don't know anyone who enjoys Monopoly, <laughs> but like I, Checkers, I Chess, do the Game of Life. I enjoy Monopoly. Oh my gosh, really? I do. I I love you. The- I love you for standing against <laughs> the the throng of of voices. Well, the thing is though with Monopoly is most people become terrible. <laughs> yes, I think that was like the game design purpose was to like show <laughs> that when people get money, they're very rude for, for yeah, lack of a better term. Yeah, so I enjoy Monopoly. I have enjoyed it, but a lot of the time the people I'm playing with can't handle Monopoly. <laughs> If I'm with a group of people who aren't going to get super stressed and <laughs> about Monopoly, then it's fun. But I I think there's been maybe, like, one time <laughs> I've... Because Monopoly was a game that I played with my grandparents. We had, I had Monopoly Junior, which is objectively more fun than grown-up Monopoly. Because you're is at it- a carnival oh. and you're buying ticket booths. And it's quicker and I think lower stakes probably. But then when I did get a little bit older, we played Grown Up Monopoly. And it was fun because like they didn't get stressed over Monopoly. And then I went out into the real world, got a wake up call. <laughs> I discovered what Monopoly's really like. <laughs> it's a cutthroat world out there. <laughs> cutthroat world of monopoly and uh i'd be like you guys let's play monopoly and no one wanted to play monopoly and then when i finally discovered what playing monopoly was like i was like oh (laughs) what do you think people get so upset about with monopoly or like what what makes them stressed i think in monopoly well, there's the thing where everyone has like their house rules that differ from the actual rules, which in the actual rules, it says that you can use house rules, you can adjust things. But a lot of times the adjustments make it harder. And like the um, the thing where you land on certain things and that money goes into the no parking or free par- the free parking. Yeah. And then when you land on that, you get all that money. That's not actually in the rules, but most people play that way. And that makes the game more drawn out. And so I think how long it takes and how much of that time you're losing (laughs) is just people just get pissed off and 
So that's that's an actual problem with Monopoly, I think, that like it takes so long to get out of the game, and you're like, there's no way I'm coming back from this. Just take my money. <laughs> do, you, do you find yourself getting stressed when you're losing at these games, or...? I don't, because I'm there for the conversation and the snacks. <laughs> so as long as the conversation is going well, your stress level is pretty pretty minimal? Right. So that's what stresses me out, is when everyone else is mad and stressed. And, oh. and no one's having fun. Then I'm not having fun. Ah, that's so interesting. You're, uh, you're defeating so many things in my mind. <laughs> I love it. You're crushing my understandings yeah i mean because that's another thing that a lot of people when they think of people who don't like video games and and in fact my previous two interviews have been about a dislike of failure being why they don't like games uh video games specifically but i think also other types of games um as well and they also like the narrative so i'm like really humored that you're both like i don't like narrative i don't care if i lose (laughs) like (laughs) Yeah. I don't care if it takes five hours to finish a game. <laughs> like, I mean, it's still like, it's it's better to win. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to say like, no, I don't go into a game. I'm like, whatever, <laughs> fuck it. <laughs> but like, I want to win. You're not an altruist in Monopoly. <laughs> <laughs> like, go ahead, everyone. I'll just be like a nonprofit organization in Monopoly supporting <laughs> everyone else. <laughs> No, I I want to win, but I don't. That's not what I don't like. Is I don't feel like I failed because I didn't win Monopoly. That's interesting. Your win state is like feeling good, feeling connected. Yeah, yeah. If there's um people who yeah I like, I like talking to. It's just having friends makes me a winner, Jamie. <laughs> You've captured the true spirit of gaming, Lisa. <laughs> you have no idea. I mean, the, it's the, not about actually... whether you win or lose. <laughs> it's about how many friends you've gathered. It's like a guy. But catch it's not them about all. how many friends you've gathered. It's about the quality of your friends. Whatever. I know you have a binder full of friends. Like I do hiding. have a binder. <laughs> do you like my binder full of women reference? It was a good one. That's Thank you. Topical. I, topical. Stu- I snuck it in. Is it topical if it's like two or three years old? It's, it's not. <laughs> Much like my game preferences, I'm way behind. That was um, five years to five to six years old because that was the 2012 election. Oh, oh lord, I'm getting old. Simpler times. <laughs> if only all we had to worry about were binders. Speaking of board games and tabletop games you i've seen you in in real life use video games for not video games sorry i've seen you use tabletop games for language learning so do you want to one talk about your job and and what you do and also how you incorporate games into that yeah first my question is (laughs) are board games like like sorry is that a tabletop game oh is yeah. that term like i realize they happen on a table yeah so board games um tabletop games they're all very similar i i think 
probably if you're more intense about these kinds of <laughs> distinctions, someone's going to send me an email letting me know. <laughs> I'm very intense about my gaming. <laughs> yeah. But I usually qualify anything that's like on a, on table, a table versus, yeah. Um, and on a table that can include card games, that can include board games. Um, I think oftentimes when people use the word board games, they're referencing more like the old school type, like Sorry or The School of Life or uh, Monopoly. The Game but, of Life, excuse oh, me. Sorry. <laughs> the School of Life is actually a website about emotional <laughs> intelligence. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yes, The Game of Life. Um, but I, I use them interchangeably. So thank you for, for clarifying. Okay. Just wanted to, I am not using D and D to teach language to children. I, you probably could though. You could. And now I'm, now I'm invested in finding someone who like, is using D and D. Definitely older kids I think would be into that. Yeah. I think, okay. So back to your actual question. Uh, what I do is I teach deaf and hard of hearing students, and um, I think something I really want to make clear is that uh, being deaf or having hearing loss doesn't necessarily mean that, that you have a language delay, but the students who qualify for special education under a hearing loss and receive services from me, a teacher for deaf and hard of hearing students, usually does have a significant language delay. Okay, so there's like the students that you're seeing are a specific subset of the the deaf and hard of hearing community, not necessarily anyone who is deaf or hard of hearing. Right, right. They're students whose uh, language delays qualify them for being able to receive services in a deaf ed classroom or with support from a deaf ed teacher. Okay. Okay, so a thing that we talk about in deaf education a lot is um, use and pragmatics because... Even if a kid knows a whole bunch of vocabulary, they don't necessarily know how to use that in a conversational way. What is and, um, pragmatics? Uh, pragmatics is just the the way that you use language. Um, social communication, knowing how to interact with people. Oh, that's interesting. So it's not necessarily grammar or spelling or pronunciation, but like using the appropriate language at the appropriate time. Kind right. Language and communication is you have to have vocabulary and syntax and pragmatics. And I would argue that pragmatics is a bigger piece of the pie because like, the other things don't matter if you don't know how to communicate with people. And if a kid knows how to ask me for a red pencil in my classroom because we've practiced it a hundred times, is that actually meaningful if they don't know how to ask anyone else? For hmm. a red pencil. So making concepts useful in other environments than just the one that they learned them in. Right. And um, that's um, like generalization of skills or carryover. And that's a huge goal is that we want kids to be able to use their skills everywhere and understand how certain uh, forms of language exist in different environments with different communication partners. Awesome. And you find that games have helped kind of get at that use and pragmatic aspect of communication? Yeah, because with um, I have taught uh, mostly very young kids. Kindergarten through second grade is pretty much what I have taught. What? I, the <laughs> Kindergarten <laughs> through second grade is like the, the group of children that I've, <laughs> I've taught. And yeah. 
at that age, and especially I've had so many kids who show up at age five with just no language or or very little or they just have gestural communication. And so games are a really good way to just practice how communication works. Uh, like turn-taking is something that not only deaf and hard of hearing kids with language delays, but typically hearing kids who have a language disorder often have a lot of practice working on turn-taking because that's something that with people with typically developing language, they just kind of get that. And younger kids don't get it as well, but you know we understand how turn-taking works in conversation. I say something, then you say something that's probably related to what I'm saying. Oh, yeah, like the art of, of conversation. Right, right. And it's so something as simple as playing a game and learning it's my turn, it's your turn is is huge. And that's like any game. It doesn't even have to be a game to learn my turn, your turn. Yeah, I mean, I would say oftentimes the things that we're teaching children are also things that adults should continue to improve upon. Yes, so I we find can myself all work in... on my turn, your turn. <laughs> yes, that is definitely something I can get behind. Um, myself included. I mean, I, I notice it more actually interestingly with the podcast, but listening to myself have a conversation, how often... Like, we break down the my turn, your turn. Not me and you, specifically, I, but the well, people no, I'm speaking it's, with. It's true. I had to, for a um, some language development class, I don't even remember what specific one it was, but I had to videotape having a conversation with people and then transcribe that and analyze it. And we just talked over each other the whole time, but we wouldn't have noticed that you know, in the context of the conversation, we didn't realize that we were talking over each other and changing the subject and derailing because we have a firm grasp of English and the pragmatics of communication. And we know that that's how it works. And like when you can't talk over someone or when it's appropriate. And those are skills that are just really difficult to teach if you don't just develop them. That's interesting. So you start with kind of the with games and with conversation in general, that clear right, right. You, you talk, I talk, you talk, I talk. But then as you become more advanced, you can get a little more flexible with those rules. As long as you have like both of right. you have that similar foundation of turn taking and like aiming to get back to that in some way. Right. And when you're when you're playing a game, you have to pay attention to what everyone else is doing. And that's something I find myself often like directly teaching like connect four is a game that is really good for teaching that strategizing and paying attention to what the other person is doing because you have to see like oh look they're trying to make a four things in a row here you want to block them you can't just focus on making your own set of four that's oh, i love that so it's kind of I think a lot of times when people think of learning how to communicate, and myself included, I'm realizing I'm having a shift, they think of communication as learning how to express yourself. Like it's an inside out type of communication. And the way that you're describing it is actually communication is more of a, I would say like a cycle of like taking things in and then going out and kind of that that constant both in and out of information, not just like a one directional 
this is who I am. Look, I've expressed it so well. But like expressing what you want to say within a context of what other people are doing. It's, yeah, really reciprocal and... Yeah, receptive communication is just as important as expressive communication. (laughs) This past year, I had an interesting experience where I was working with some very young kids, uh, four and five-year-olds. They were kids with really low language who were just working on language development during this block of time that they were in my classroom. And I really like the... um, I think they're actually called, like, the Cootie Games... There's, like, cootie and don't break the ice and don't spill the beans are Ooh. some examples. What are, like, and, what are these games? Um, do you know these games? I don't. Give me a, a brief oh, that's explanation really interesting. of one of them. So they're, uh, cootie is, you make these little bugs by rolling dice and you have to collect all the different body parts. Oh, that's adorable. So so it's kind of like ha- not hangman because you don't want to collect all the parts on hangman. Never mind, ignore. <laughs> don't want to collect all. <laughs> ignore that analogy. <laughs> it's really good for like working on that vocabulary for naming body parts. And the new cootie has there's like they're different. When I was when I was a kid, we didn't have all those fancy different body parts. It was like all the legs were the same and the eyes and the nose and everything. But now they're different. Like some of the legs have roller skates and some of them have sneakers. Oh, I and want a cootie so with then, roller skates. <laughs> instead of just picking a leg, the kids have to say like, I want the leg with the roller skates or... Uh, some of the kids, it's just, I want skate, you know? Um, but that's cool, a way to work on vocabulary and requesting and things. But where was I headed? I was telling you about the cootie games. And then uh, Don't Spill the Beans is, it's just by the same company. And it's, I think they're just very simple games for young kids. I think it's a lot of, like, the first games that you play. So Don't Spill the Beans is there's a little pot of beans that's balanced on a stand. You take turns putting one bean on top of it. Like It has a flat top. And you put your beans on. And then at some point, the, the weight is shifts and the pot falls. Or it spills. And then all the beans that spilled out, you, the person who spilled them, takes those beans. The objective is that you get rid of all of your beans. So I explained this to the kids and had a lot of repetition of, you don't want the beans. (laughs) The person with no beans wins. Beans are bad. You don't want beans. And so they they would spill the beans and they'd be like, yay, I get all these beans. And it took so long to teach them. And it was... Um, I had to, like, be an asshole to show them. Like, so so I won because I was the only one not trying to get beans. <laughs> and then I had to be like, yes, I'm the winner. I have no beans. All my beans are gone. You have lots of beans. <laughs> so, so just, but the next time they were like, okay. I don't want beans. So that's something is just knowing how to play a game and how to figure out the rules 
I think is an important skill and that's how to figure out the rules is an important thing, not just for games, but for communication and for life as like, I don't get what's going on. How do I figure it out? Yeah. I mean, for sure. I mean, being able, I'm thinking of Ikea furniture. (laughs) Yeah. Being able to like read and understand instructions um, and be able to maybe fill in the gaps where the instructions aren't clear. Which I, yes. I think is also a thing where maybe you don't, there's a certain part of the instructions missing, but based on what you know about how all the other things have worked, you can assume, like, blank. And so much of that is dependent on who you're playing the game with, because you have to agree on whatever the unknown rule is, like, as a as a group. Right. You're like, well, it's not clear in the rules, so we collectively have decided that this is the rule. That's why whenever I play things like Euchre or Spades, you always have to go over the rules with whoever you're playing with, even if they say they know right, even if everyone how to play knows Euchre or Spades. What yeah. the rules are. For sure. I'm because imagine building IKEA furniture with someone who's like interpreting <laughs> the instructions differently. It's stressful. It's yeah very yeah. stressful moment. Yeah, but you know what's funny is I was listening to you earlier talking about the video games that you really liked, and those video games often were ones where the rules were purposefully open or not really existent. So I think it's really funny. Right, like there weren't rules. So now I'm like, the rules are very important. (laughs) It's really important to understand rules. No, but I love that. I love that that counterbalance. Because I think when and where you want strict rules is meaningful like for your de-stressing or for your leisure time maybe a lot of rules is not something you find super comforting especially because a lot of times you're doing it it sounded like kind of by yourself so like all of these rules matter a little bit less when you're creating something by yourself because that just feels like you're being maybe limited by what you can do with this game if they're like no you have to do this or you fail yeah yeah i don't think i understand I don't think I understand objectives when I'm by myself. <laughs> like, who am I beating? It's the roller coaster tycoon. I don't care about getting this many visitors to my park. I just want to make a cool park. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know. Maybe I need to think about that with my students. Maybe they're just, I want beans. <laughs> I want to get the beans. Leave me alone. Like, they were perfectly happy playing that game and not knowing that they weren't supposed to have the beans. They just thought it was fun when the beans spilled over. But, you know, it's a it's a social situation that it's important to understand how to interpret that. Yeah, I mean, so many social situations. I mean, in games, I think it's nice because they lay out the rules for you. When so many social situations, there's not clear rules so like starting as right. you said with like that baby step of like here are the rules here's how you like play along with the like you be a good sport i'm gonna use that language about yeah <laughs> games but this is how you like play by the rules when they're obvious and then kind of slowly taking that further and further to like what are rules that maybe aren't spoken that you can figure out from watching everyone around you that's kind of an advanced it, it one it's very hard like i'm 20 seven and i still often misread social cues (laughs) right um i've seen you use other games related more to like creativity and storytelling 
me and Lisa occasionally have volunteered doing English language learning tutoring with refugee kids through some nonprofits in the area. And I remember, Lisa, you brought one day, won a bunch of games, but one that we played was... Oh, yes. Not a matching game. It was a combination of matching, uh, but it was mostly a creativity game where you had pictures on a card. Yeah, like you had pictures on a card and you had to make a story with the pictures on these cards. So you were limited by what was on the cards, but not... But it was really more just prompts to get you to speak. Like the story itself could be whatever you wanted it to be. Right, right. It's uh, Telltale is the game and it just is a little tin with a bunch of cards with pictures on them. And you, um, I think I read the rules like once and then was like, okay, fine. And have just used it however I want to. <laughs> In, which is your favorite. It's your... my favorite. So um, you can turn over as many, like, I think the more cards you turn over, the harder it gets to combine all these four pictures into one story. But like with some kids, I just like they have to pick one card and maybe tell me what that is and act out a little story with their card. And then with some older kids or kids with more language, they have to turn over two or three cards and tell a story about these three pictures. Like maybe it's a boy looking happy and a window and a piece of chocolate and you have to put all that together and that that's a really fun game because there's no winning it's just like it's barely a game (laughs) (laughs) it's a game only in the Um, sense that it, it has rules that are very loosely defined Right. So it's it's just um a way to talk and and practice talking. Oh, and you're making exciting. me think cuz cuz I just talked a lot about how important um it is to understand like turn taking and rules and um like the rules of communication. And so I would like to incorporate some reciprocal communication into this game like you have to add on to this person's story with your picture or something yeah i mean that's a there's funny icebreakers that are similar where you don't see the whole story you just see the sentence before yours um obviously this game it would be like a holistic story but they they've had those like group story making thing where each person does like a sentence or a paragraph or yeah, I think like, like it's yeah, a game where you go around the circle and you say some something that happens next. Yeah, and that requires knowing what happened before. <laughs> Sometimes, yeah. unless they're going for a very like postmodern type of story. <laughs> Surrealist, <laughs> where there is no like clear direction of action. Yeah, I mean, do you find that kids respond well to that kind of game or do they prefer games where the rules are more obvious? No, I think they really they really like that game because there's not a whole lot to figure out. And um something cool about these uh these kids who are deaf, usually they're profoundly deaf and they just haven't had exposure to signed or spoken language um until they come to school are um 
Like, they are really good gestural storytellers. And um, so giving them the opportunity to, they pick their picture, maybe they don't know what it is, and they'll ask, hey, what's that? Like, it's a window. And then they'll tell me this great story with no actual linguistic words, but then I can give them words to that story that they already have. Oh, that's interesting. So they have conceptions of what things are. They just are um, missing that, like, word bit. So they're, like, able to abstractly tell this story just with gestures versus, like, with English language. Right, right. And there's something that uh, was amazing that I tried uh, a couple years ago was my kids were really into Disney characters and, like, they all had frozen backpacks and things like that. And they were really into the characters. And so I was like, all right, we're going to read a Disney book. Like they have the little golden books that have the kind of simplified story of a Disney movie. And we'll do a unit on this book and then they get to watch the movie. And I let them pick which one they wanted to do. We did Tangled. And when I gave them like, the characters' names and some of the vocabulary, they were able to tell me so much about this movie because they had seen it, um, but they just didn't have the words to talk about it. So that's a lot of... A lot of my job is just giving giving kids the words to talk about what they want to talk about. Oh, that's nice. So you're you're basically doing the same thing that you wished video games did more often for you, which is give you the tools to to make the things that you want to make or to tell the yes. stories that you want to tell. Oh, yes, 100%. Oh. I think that I I think I really would have been into The Sims, but I never played The Sims. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you probably would have just drowned people in swimming pools like the rest of us. Well, I would have done that too. <laughs> But I also would have created cool worlds and things. That game really, I think in a lot of ways, changed, I don't want to say the world's conception of video games because that seems like an overreach, but it it definitely (laughs) is a game that's referenced a lot by game study scholars as one that is different from a lot of other games and was different in a way that was unexpected. Like, no one really thought that it would be fun, I think, for people to, like, just make other people's lives right i want to play a game where i tell someone to do dishes and go to work and like have a conversation but it was like a breakaway success and i think it really tapped into a type of fun making or meaning making that hadn't previously been been done by video games um as much as it could have been but so i think you're right i think you would have enjoyed it miss miss the boat on the sims too i think (laughs) The Sims 2, like T-O-O, not The Sims 2. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so much of video games, I think, in, in talking to the my other interviewers, a lot, of the, a lot of the ways we think about games is affected by the games that we played as children. Oh, definitely. Yeah, and I think so much of fun and playfulness and meaning-making comes from how we learned to have fun and make meaning as kids. And not saying that you can't change that as you get older but there's a lot of things that like i like this is what i think a game is because this is what games were when i was a kid 
And I, I think that definition of what a game is um, follows that. So I'm really excited to see kind of the next generation and what they define as games, because I think the types yeah. of games that exist now are so different than when you and I were kids. There, There's more and more games, and I think some of that's because the tech has advanced to be able to do this a little bit more, but there's they're called sandbox games, where it basically is just they create an, an environmental world that people can just make things in. Like, there's not really an objective, there's not a goal. There's more and more of those yeah. coming out, and I think some of that is because the tech has increased to, like allow for these worlds because it used to be that like memory on a computer was so small that right, like, there was right. no way you could build these fantastical giant worlds i'm um, not that you need them to <laughs> you be may giant, have a roller coaster but... that's it <laughs> yeah exactly you can have free play on this roller coaster where we just take away the money and the objectives <laughs> um but yeah so more and more there's games that don't necessarily have narratives given to you you either make them up yourself or there's one game i really like where actually you're just exploring space and you find these um either tombstones or monuments and you like write the inscription on them or like keep a diary of them so at the end it kind of presents this like travel log of where you've been and it's totally everything that's cool so I, i'm i'm really curious to see as kids get older what they think of as games because i think it might be different yeah, I it's, think you're right. For sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm excited to see that too. So when your kiddos that you're teaching all these fun open-ended games with in kindergarten become adults, I should bring them back on the podcast. <laughs> yes. yes, eighteen and, years from now. <laughs> and if I'm a good teacher, they will all have wonderful language to communicate with you in this interview. Um, thank you so much for coming on and talking about your childhood and your game gaminess. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. I think it's really funny and silly that I'm being interviewed on a game gaming <laughs> podcast. I like to make my own rules. <laughs> As we said, about what is and is not allowed on a gaming podcast. For for listeners out there, feel free to comment on the episode. You can find it on gamingbroadly.com. Um, or leave a review on iTunes. I'm really interested, actually, in the question of when do you like rules and when do you not like rules? Because I think that's some, that's a question that I'm walking away with in terms of things I want to consider and think about. So feel free to hit me up. I'm also on Twitter, Instagram. I'm very easy to track down on the internet <laughs> for the most part. So feel free to look me up. Subscribe. Tell your friends. Have them join in on the conversation. And on that, that wraps up this episode of Video Games with People Who Don't Like Video Games, and we'll see you next time. Bye! Radio, radio. Just channeling NPR. <laughs> Be Ira Glass. <laughs> I need like a piece of art that says that like up on my wall. <laughs> Be Ira Glass. <laughs> ah, da, 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 da. Okay. Mm -hmm.